Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the French Hockey Podcast with me, Tim Graves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, and a former Springbok coaching in France coming up as well to help us look ahead to France's massive clash against the world champions this weekend. We should look back just briefly before looking forwards, though. So how was your weekend, Johnny? And were you a bit envious of the scenes in Paris while you were sat there at the, the library, as we call it now, in Murrayfield? <laughs> Mate, the library was shocking. Um yeah, I'm not going to lie, a little bit. I, I enjoyed the extracurricular stuff a lot more than the actual game than the mall fest that was at Murrayfield. Spent the day with Nicky Little and Joe Rococo, who were our Fijians for the day. So awesome to catch up with them. It was also really nice. We got invited to Beer 52. They hosted us afterwards nice. in Edinburgh. Then we made it to the Fijian hotel room. Hotel room? Ho- hotel. Hotel room okay, sounds a bit a too far. There. But we got invited back by the Fijian side, which was just awesome, man. Like, good people, an amazing environment. Weirdly, a lot of my old mates are now in the coaching staff. So Daryl Gibson, who I played with at Glasgow, Big Stern Vern, Vern Cotter, who it turns out is a big fan of the podcast, of all is things. It? Can you? Oh, mate, bizarre. Uh, Glenn Jackson, former Sari referee. Was Vern still telling you to play that Fritz Lee or...? We didn't even get that far. He was giving Ryan Wilson was there as well. He's giving Ryan Wilson big hugs. I was just like, mate, you can have a handshake. That's as far as we go. He loves a handshake. He does. Ask Richie. Ask Richie <laughs> and ask uh, Big Jim. He knows about a handshake with him as well. But mate, it was great. So just spent some time with the Fijian boys. And then as is the post-match ritual with Fiji, you get Kava time. So in a circle, drinking a bit of cava, relaxing, a bit of grog. It was very good. And yeah, just nice boys. The captain, Vazea, asked us in. He was just talking about his move from Stafford City down to Toulon. Really nice bloke. And we went from there and then met some of the Scottish boys in town. So I had a good catch up with Hoggy, Hamish and some of the Scottish boys in town. So made the extracurricular stuff. It was fantastic. It was very social. A few beers, a late finish. Um, the rugby wasn't the best at Murrayfield, but people are the best bit of it, mate. And the weekend was good fun. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. The less said about that game, the better. But let's get into a bit of detail on France's win over Australia yeah. because they scraped it, basically. But this is now the longest winning streak in French history 11 wins in a row. Mm. But is that the most they've been tested in a long time? And, and how did Australia test them? I think it was a little bit of a shock for them. Like one of the really interesting bits for me is just watching all the games across the weekend and that top 10 now. A lot of these sides can beat each other. The, the dominance that we've seen in Southern Hemisphere in years past is gone. They're all enjoyable to watch. Like, I didn't expect that performance from Australia going there. I thought it'd be more comfortable for France, but 
set piece, like the first scrum Tupo up against Spy was a wow moment. You thought, holy shit, like the Wallabies are here to play. But then it was everywhere, like physicality on the gain line. Again, because some of the collisions between Tupo and Atonio were like, they were absolutely insane. Um, they test them really well in the air, which other sides haven't done. Uh, Australia kicked smartly. They contested really well. France kicked a little bit for territory, but it was a bit looser and more aimless than they have been in the past year. So they didn't really pressurize the Wallabies too much. They allowed them into the game and it was a real ding dong. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, critically, they even made Antoine Dupont look human because it was kind of unstructured and scrappy at points. Um, he kicked out in the full three times in the first half, a couple of handling errors. And France were a little bit rusty, but mate, that's the closest challenge they've had in 24 months. And I was really impressed by the Wallabies. They were they were right up for it. And it was very close, as you mentioned, in the end. And hell of a finish from Pano and Fichetti's try, even more spectacular. But overall, you mentioned it there. It was a really open game. France, 16 offloads, which I think is their most for a couple of years. Yeah. So were they almost too expansive and will they tighten up this week presumably I think they almost looked a little bit pressed to speed the game up and I'm not sure why um, but that seemed like it was the intent from the off and that sort of brought quite a few unforced errors too like Antoine Dupont kicking out in the full loads of balls lost in contact I can't decide how much of it was Australian pressure on them and how much it was just the French being a little bit frenetic but it was fun to watch like that was the best bit was the games within the game were exceptional. And some of the individual performances, even though it was scrappy, were huge. I thought Thibaut Flamand, that was probably his best game in a French jersey. The carries, tackles, he got through the turnovers he created um, on the deck, but also his work at the line-out were like, of a huge, like a huge standard. Greg Aldrich was just immense again. I thought weirdly, and this was kind of symptomatic of quite a few of the backlines at the weekend, like the Scottish backline was shocking. England's backline was poor. I thought maybe with Roman Intermac having a little bit of a lack of game time, they just looked a little bit disjointed as well. But you've got to hope another game under their belt and they'll kick on and be better this weekend against what will be better opposition. And like you mentioned, some of the like the finishes, we've probably seen two of the, the best tries we're going to see in the tournament already. Like from the Aussie boys, the ability and the belief to run out of their own 22 from a loose Antoine Dupont kick. Again, the, the wheels, like the absolute wheels on... And again, I didn't realise he was a former NLR player, Tom Wright, to get past Penno and Gassam. Like that was special to stick... Fouquetti away for a try so that's probably the biggest contender for try the tournament already but then Penno's reply wasn't too shabby either really smart ball over the top by Matthew Jalibert who had a points proof coming on as well a lot of people thought he could have started with Intermac having little game time but awesome ball over the top and then the finish by Damian Penno who Dave Rennie after the game and his presser after the match said that he's clearly the world's best winger at the moment was just class like wheels feet big step again the power and then a huge fend to finish both incredible tries so yeah there were magical moments but it definitely was probably a less controlled French performance than we've been used to seeing over the 24 months but they, they just got over the line um, even with a few players being under par um, they just had enough to beat the Wallabies who were way better than I thought they would be at the Stade de France Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Let's get our guest on now then and focus even more on the huge game in Marseille this weekend between France and South Africa. We can have a chat with World Cup winner, former Springbok Player of the Year, now scrum coach with La Rochelle, Gertrude Steenkamp joins us. How you doing? Hey guys, now good to be here. Looking forward to this chat. <laughs> Looking forward to having you on. And you've been in France for over a decade now. So before we get started, the key question, are you French? Are you a bit French? Are you still very much South African? I'm very French when it comes to the restaurants, you know, then I'm <laughs> sure I go all out, go all out. You know, born in South Africa, born and bred, you know, I'll always support the boys. But, uh, you know, working with so many great players like, uh, you know, Winnie Antonio, Greg Aldred, all these guys, you know, they, I'm not. I'm going to lie to you guys. It's kind of difficult. You know, I want the boys to do well, so um, it's going to be a tough one this weekend. Mm, you want them to do well, and I'm French like you, and I enjoy the entrecots and the red wine. But who does your head say is winning this weekend, and what does your heart say? My heart says South Africa because uh, you know I just caught up with the game earlier today. Didn't have an opportunity uh, to watch the Irish game, and uh, you know I just watched it intense. And knowing the box, they're very disappointed. And for us, you know, South Africa, rugby, it's, it's more than just a game. You're representing a nation. You know, you're creating hope in South Africa. And uh, the players, they always feel that responsibility to give back to South Africa. And they know just lifts up the spirit. So I know it's a wounded beast. It's going to come into France this week. So I'm really excited and really looking forward to that. And uh, I've experienced games like that, losing on tour and uh, the pressure's on not just uh, amongst each other as a team, but also you're feeling the pressure from back home. The public is not always that lenient towards the Springbok team. So that's the heart. We all know it's going to be close, but not only what does the head say, as Johnny said, because it is a really tough one to call, but with your coaching hat on, where's it going to be won and lost? It's kind of like watching two scientists that work, you know, with Rassi Erasmus and Fabian Galt, because they're very meticulous in their work. And especially, you know, I've been following the French team, what they've been doing, you know, their preparation is, it's unbelievable. You know, we've got a few of the coaches that's also at Marcusi at the moment and watching the guys train. Everything is worked out to the smallest detail, the timing, the shot clock, everything. You know, it's all about precision training with high intensity. And I think it's the first time I've ever seen coaches getting together, using a team to prepare for the international team as well. You know, so that was quite impressive to see taking an amateur side and actually putting together all the training sessions that they want to do with the internationals and with the senior players. So it's going to be quite tough. I do believe um, France does have the extra edge, they have ability to attack out of nowhere. They're so much more disciplined than they've been in the past. 
their defense is amazing, solid on defense, strong defense, and you just got all these amazing players that are consistently playing at the highest level every single week in France. And obviously it's going to be a massively physical battle, but your area of expertise, the scrum time, if you had to put wager on the better scrum, who do you think has got the better scrum at the minute, South Africa or France? That's, it's, it's a tough one. Obviously, I've got to back my man, Winnie Antonio. He's <laughs> been doing great work for us here at La Rochelle. Uh, but watching the game, watching the the Irish Springbok clash, you know, um, I was quite impressed by the Irish scrum. They put the, the Springboks mm. under press, pressure, which we haven't seen in a while. Uh, very few teams have managed to achieve that. But Australia as well put the, 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 the French team under pressure at scrum time. So, you know, that's the thing, you know, being a prop, you know, it's about pride. It's everything. It's like somebody stole your cake, you know, you know like us props, we love our cake. So you don't, <laughs> you don't touch our cake. You don't eat our cake. So, you know, for the boys, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be pumped up. They have a point to prove. And, you know, the scrum is all about pride. And, you know, there's the ego part of it as well. So it's going to be a tough one. I do believe that uh, the, the the Springboks at the moment, technically, they uh, are the better team. But at the end of the day, <laughs> France, South Africa, anything can happen. And, uh, you know, I always tell the players, you got to work with humility. Scrum is all about humility. You can be dominating one game and the next game, you could be going backwards and uh, you can be counting your blessings all, all the way. So it's going to be interesting. And you mentioned Weenie there. Obviously, on the other side, you played with Cyril Bay in Toulouse when he was obviously more of a youngster back then. So what was he like back then? And how much has he improved over the last sort of five, six years since you were playing with him? Oh, massive transformation. I remember when he was a youngster, you know, himself, Julien Marchand, Dor Dorian Aldegheri, you know, they all came up through the ranks and uh, Cyril and Dorian, they weren't the hardest workers. And, you know, I was still grinding it out. I want to get those extra few years in before I hang up the boots. And I was just doing crazy training like a typical South African, just doing crazy fitness and, you know, putting the hard yards. And I remember back in the day, Ugo Molo were putting him on the pump. It's, it's impossible. The guy's 35 years old. He's killing you in the fitness. And uh, you could see there was a switch. I think they realized to play at the highest level, you need to be in a certain physical state. And there was a massive mind shift with Cyril. And he started doing really well. Picked up his fitness, massive emphasis on the scrum. He became a really strong scrummager. And, you know, it was great to see those youngsters coming through. And, you know, uh, and uh, even though it was tough for me at the end of my career, you know, you would still like to play, get those extra few games in. The guy started performing really well. So, you know, Cyril by great scrummager. Unbelievable ball carrier. So it's going to be interesting to see, but he's only recently come back from injury and uh, he hasn't had a lot of game time and we'll see whether he's sharp enough for those scrums. How important is that game time for us from the scrummaging element of your game? Because we talk about it in terms of ball carrying, catching your second win, working your way into the game, but it's like all the other facets of the game. So surely for him, we, we just talked before you came on about, you know, the first scrum between Tupo and Bai where he got turned inside out. Is that because he's undercooked or he's not ready or he hasn't had scrum prep? Does it make a real difference not being scrum ready and having that match fitness? A uh, massive difference. I always say scrum is like a woman. A woman will take your breath away and scrum will take your legs away. So <laughs> the big... <laughs> The, the biggest thing is you need to get that. We talk about the lactic battle, you know, you that jelly legs. And uh, that's the thing. It takes time to get used to. You need to get used to that lactic in the legs. You need to be able to repeat efforts after the scrum. And it's difficult to replicate that. You can work hard in the gym. You begin doing all the training one, but nothing really replicates the fatigue that you experience in a game and especially international level. But, you know, surreal, you know, he's come through so many obstacles and, um, you know, as a world-class player, 
and uh, he has the mindset to do it. At the end of the day, you know, you might not always be in the physical state to, to do what is necessary, but if you have a mental shift or that mindset, anything is possible. And when you talk about world-class levels, there are levels when it comes to props and you put them in that world-class bracket. I think most people would stick them in the top three or five. If you were to give us your top three or five loose heads in the world, who would make your list? I'm definitely, I'll be honest, I'm a big fan of uh, Andrew Porter. You know, he's been very consistent over the last few months. He's obviously a big scrummager as well. And, uh, you know, I must say Danny Prezo, you know, last year for La Rochelle, he was unbelievable. Strong scrummager, you know, very underrated international level. And there's a lot of great players, you know. But for me, those will be the top guys that are standing out there, that lose it. And obviously, you got the South African, you got Oxen Che as well. That has showed that he can be dominant at scrum time. But, you know, there's so many great players at the moment. It all comes down to being consistent in your performance and uh, being able to look after yourself, look after your recovery because it's not easy because everybody's coming for you at scrum time. If you've dominated the week before, as I take myself, if I watch a team, I analyze them, look for that window of opportunity. And uh, and that that's a lot. That's a lot to face. And you need to be on your game every single scrum. And mate, so take that from scrums to this game, South Africa, France. So South Africa won the last seven meets between these two sides, but that was all pre-Fabien Galtier. Yeah. And this new generation, this new French side. So in the past, what do you think has given the South Africans the edge over French sides. Uh, what did you make of playing against France in your generation? And what do you think is a little bit different about this new French side we're seeing now? I think in the past, you know, fitness always uh, killed the French teams. And playing against the French in the past, our fitness always outlasted them. And also our discipline and structure in the game that always uh, gave us that extra edge. And it always used to, we always used to see the French in the last 20 minutes, they would let go. But since Fabian Galte has been there, things have changed drastically. They are more disciplined. They are super conditioned, all right? They can uh, play at that high level. We've seen it against the All Blacks, what they're capable of, and they're capable of being physical. In the past, it, we were, they were always known for their French flair. But now we see these guys dominating collisions, you know, bringing that physicality. And we saw with the Irish and uh, Springbok game, there was loads of physicality. The rack time, <laughs> it was ridiculous. You know, it would be interesting to see how my good old man Bucky's Boto would have handled the boys back in the day. But uh, yeah, so there's going to be massive physicality. We do know that the spring box, you know, that's our strength. When we are physical, when we are dominating those collisions, we are tough to stop. But we saw with the Irish team, they really stopped the malls of the spring box really well. Didn't get that go forward in the malls. The scrum didn't go according to like it always does. So that has a massive impact on the Springboks game and their confidence in walls. They feed on that, you know, that front row, or no, that forward dominance. We've had him on here. Paul Willemson, we know how much he was looking forward to this fixture from the chat we had with him. We know he's missing this game. So going into this, how important is that tight head lock kind of scrimmaging wise in your area of expertise, but also how much are they going to miss him? With We know Roman Tafanur has not had a lot of game time either. So maybe coming off the bench, is that an area where the Springboks may have an edge as well or not? Yeah, you know, it, it always helps, you know, having a slightly heavier lock, but there's always the pros and cons, you know, a slightly heavier lock will only be as strong maybe for 30 or 40 minutes. And sometimes having a fitter lock, you know, or more leaner lock is more consistent. And it comes down to what I call scrum dynamics about having the ability to generate power 
you know, from the second row point of view, give those locks now to generate power. Anything's possible. I used to have Victor Matfield back in the day, and uh, he wasn't the heaviest bloke around. You know, he was as quite lean. I think he was some days on a good day, 102 kgs, but he was unbelievably strong behind me. And we've often seen that even back in the day, Greg Lamboli at Stade Toulouse in France, you know, he was an unbelievable scrummage. And we often seen the so-called leaner locks, you know, they tend to produce more power. But I'll be honest, when you do have a man like a wolf skeleton behind you, <laughs> it changes everything. It changes a lot. So I definitely think um, they're going to miss, you know, would have been unbelievable for the French to have Paul Willemse behind uh, Winnie Antonio. I was going to say, if you could have me or Will Skelton, I know who I would choose if I was a prop. There's absolutely <laughs> no question. Mate, when you arrived as well, this is something that I really noticed when I arrived in the top 14, and it really tickled me, but I loved it. But when you arrived, you must have loved the confrontational nature of the top 14 and the style of the game, how physical it is over here. But the fact that the props are also regarded as superstars, like <laughs> mythic, that was something that I hadn't seen before. You know, UK rugby is all kick and clap and nice, and then you come over here, and the props are the rock stars. You must have absolutely loved that. Man, I, I wasn't ready for that. I was like, I remember watching the first game from the stands, the scrum, the people are going crazy, the bands yes. playing music, and they're shouting, boo, say, boo, say. I'm like, <laughs> oh, firstly, for that sounded weird because that's a vulgar swear word in Afrikaans. So I wouldn't repeat <laughs> what that means. So I was caught of God. But I was like, what the heck? This is just a scrum. Like, just get that ball out and play. And it was a different mindset. And uh, just the fans, were, I think that caught me in France was just the atmosphere. The people were singing. The people were passionate. And But I think I definitely wasn't ready for what happens pre-game. You know, we normally calm as South Africans. We'll have our guys that motivate, get the boys up. But I wasn't ready for the so-called banging of the heads against the wall, the beating of the chests. You know, I remember also Guinevere once <laughs> before a game, he just came to me and said, G, are you ready? And like in French, vous êtes prêt? I'm like, we oui, coach. He's like, G, are you ready? I'm like, yes, coach. And he, he just lifts up the tone of his voice. It's like, G, are you ready? I'm like, yes, coach. He says, G, are you ready? And boom. He slaps me on my ear and I'm like, what the heck just <laughs> happened? <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they're passionate, you know, and, and loved it. In the beginning, it was tough because, you know, you want to get stuck in, you want to get the boys up and just love the passion, you know. It, it's great to see that, uh, you know, the values of rugby, even in the pro professional era, in the clubs, it's very important. I presume there's still a bit of that ear slapping goes on. It's me doing the slapping now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Big Will Skelton, are you ready? Bang! <laughs> You're a better man than me if you're slapping Big Will. <laughs> but presumably there's there's still room for that. We we hear it every week when we speak to people that there is still room for that sort of passion and it's different in France. But obviously, through people like yourself coming over there, there's a greater sort of technicality. So how's the league kind of developed over the course of the last decade or so? I'll be honest, when I arrived in France, I was like, it was like I was watching rugby in slow motion. It was just coming from Super Rugby back in the day. You know, I was a prop, lucid prop. And back in the day, I was averaging 15 to 20 tackles a game, was playing 80 minutes, hitting about 20 to 25 racks per game. And, you know, just our work rate was unbelievable. We were well-conditioned back in the day of Super Rugby. But then again, it was only like 11 round-robin games. Then you had your playoffs. So it was different. The seasons are long in France. And uh, I just remember when I would just want to work hard. I would do my sprints on a Monday, get stuck. And the guy was like, gee, 
calme-toi, doucement, take it easy, you're going too fast. And uh, no, rugby is, was very slow in the beginning, but I loved it. It was physical, unbelievable physical. But compared to back in the day when I was still playing and when I stopped, especially the game is so much faster, it sped up. It has sped up in top 14 and especially the Champions Cup, you know, that's different, it's another league. But we all know that we have different seasons in the top 14, you know, in the summer, everybody's playing, you know, getting that ball out wide and it, it, it's unbelievable rugby. And then the winter comes. <laughs> <laughs> and winter is coming. That's when the game slows down. And then it's all about the scrum and the malls. But um, it has developed so much. Technically, uh, teams are so much better prepared. Great defensive systems. I think, you know, having all these players from all over the world adding value to the different teams has take the top 14 to another level. It's just, as a rugby supporter, watching top 14 is amazing. You're seeing internationals. You're seeing all blacks. You're seeing the best French rugby players in the competition. And it's tough. And we see now each year the competition is getting tough and tough. I think the first eight to 10 teams in the top 14, it's like a difference of a few points. It's ridiculous. I mean, how much do you enjoy being part of this new coaching staff? Because you mentioned the multicultural element, coaching one of the biggest clubs to recent success, as we've all seen. But Donica Ryan, Ronan, who've been at Racing, Munster, the Crusaders, yourself coming in from Super and Toulouse, like... What's the dynamic like? It must be good fun to be part of that group. And how much have you enjoyed changing things at La Rochelle? No, it's, I'll be firstly honest. I'm really blessed to have uh, gotten this opportunity. And I'm lucky that Ronan has trusted me with the scrum. You know, it's, it's an unbelievable opportunity. You know, we are young coaching staff. And you know, the great thing about Ronan is a competitor. He's passionate. And, you know, he's trying to find that great blend of bringing structure and providing a great framework, but also keeping the DNA of Stade Rochelet intact, you know, installing those core values of the club, but also the community, you know, that's very important. He always tells the player, have players having 16,000 people pitch up every single week. And I think it's over 70 games mm. we've been sold out. And he said, we have a responsibility as the team to give back to our people. And even when we won the trophy, the players and the coaches like, this is not for us. This is for and that's amazing. And, you know, we've got a young coaching staff, you know, you've got Don Ryan, you know, unbelievable player back in the day. And, uh, you know, working with guys like Roman Carmignani, who's a former player of the club, and Sebastian Bubble. We are all passionate and, you know, we're all specialists in different areas and we respect each other's work. We obviously, sometimes we provide opinions in different areas. We're here to challenge each other as well. But we work well. It's about trusting each other. And, and that's what I love. I always said, when I go into coaching, I want to become part of a team. You want to love what you do. And we always say, even as a staff, this is not our job. This is not the work for us. This is our passion. We are living and breathing what we love. So and that's the great thing about it. We are always trying to become better as a staff, but also asking ourselves honest questions. What can we do to help the team and in, to uplift the performance? And how did the move come about? Did Ronan give you a ring or how does it work? Uh, it's, it's actually a funny story. You know, um, you know, back in obviously when COVID hit, I uh, started becoming very present on social media, realized, you know, people were struggling, you know especially with mental health. And, uh, you know, I felt there was a need to just pitch up for the people, you know, started doing all these crazy movements, which was inspired by Nathan Alberg, founder of Zoo, and, you know, started training with everybody and just pitching up on lives every day, sharing knowledge about rugby, about scrums, about life, about my own experience. I'm not a perfect person. You know, I've made mistakes in my life, but it was all about inspiring people and helping people and, you know, talking about the scrum and just one day out of the blue, Jonah Gibbs uh, gave me a call. 
And he said, hey, I just saw one of your lives and I like what you shared, your philosophies. And, um, and you know, kind of from there, it started just going back and forth, started chatting. And eventually when uh, Jonah Gibbs signed with Clement, I assumed he was dead. But then I got a call from uh, Robert Moore and he said, listen, Gio, you still interested? I'm like, yeah, definitely. You know, really, look, I was well settled in Colombia, really enjoyed my time there with Julien Sarot and Fabien Bernot. And uh, it was actually funny, you know, meeting Ronan Nagara, you know, I prepared this massive presentation, you know, talking about culture and talking about what are moving parts. And quickly I realized he had zero interest in what I was saying. He's just like, I just want my scrum <laughs> to go forward. <laughs> I don't care about the details. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it happened very quickly because I was still due to stay with uh, Colombia because it was the end of the season in Pro D2. And, uh, you know, I had to jump at the opportunity, you know, to be able to become a professional scrum coach of a top 14 team and also developing as a coach, you know, you know taking on the Esports. So it's uh, it's been an interesting road. And I'll be honest with you, never in my life for my first season to be part of a coaching staff that uh, would win the European Cup. And right. um, but it was ridiculous, you know. Insane. In your first year, you take on a scrum you know, working last year at Prizo, now you've got Wardy as your loose head, mm. Burger Atonio, the unit that you have and the job they did on Leinster in the final and you lift that cup. Like, where do you go from there? It's crazy. <laughs> Retire now, that's it. Johnny says you can't talk. <laughs> the bang. Well, you know, the great thing is, you know, um, one of my mentors, he always tells me, anybody can do it once. Let's do that again. I remember back Very in the true. day, you know, in confinement, you know, when we were training with a bunch of people online, we would do these crazy workouts. It was tough, you know. Sometimes grown men would cry because it's so tough. And like once you finish the set, I would just hear this voice saying, anybody can do it once. Let's do that again. So, but anyway, you know, I was fortunate, you know, with great pool of players last year with Winnie Antoni, Danny Prizo, Bourgarit, you know, there's so many great players. It was Facundo Bosch, Reda Wardi. Yeah, Joel Sclavi, you know, got brilliant plops, experienced players and working with them, you know, was just unbelievable because these guys know what needs to be done. It was all about fine tuning a few things, giving them the tools. So it's it's a collective effort. I always tell anyone, it's not me that's making the difference. I can provide all the knowledge, all the experience, all the tools, but at the end of the day, it's the players. The results you're seeing is because of the investment of the players and not because of me. So talking about how do you go to the next level? Still figuring that out. Still figuring that out. <laughs> but it's it's just about being honest and just continuing to work with humility, remaining humble. You know, uh, it was great being a part of that, but uh, we're part of a process. There's a vision for the club. There's a vision for the players going forward. That's the great thing to be part of us seeing the investment of Pierre Venner, the director of the club, Robert Moore, and as well as the president, uh, Vincent Merling. It's unbelievable to see how these guys work and also the belief that they have uh, installed in us as a coaching staff. And you mentioned the vision of the club and a man leading that right now is Ron Nogara, who obviously took you on. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what he's like on a day-to-day -day as a boss and as a bloke? Uh, well, unbelievable person, very competitive, unbelievable. You know, he loves being challenged as well. And he's got a strong opinion. And that's what you need from a leader. He makes the tough decisions. He makes the tough calls. If things go sideways, he takes it on him. And he's always talking about finding solutions. But you know, just the way he prepares uh, players. And uh, I remember, you know, with the mindset work that he does, the amount of thought that goes into. He doesn't just 
put things together on the PowerPoint just so it can look like we're doing some work on the side. There's a lot of thought going into it. And I remember last year with the theme, you know, about being away from, I think it was about first guys to go onto Mount Everest or something like that. I can't remember, but talking about just 300 feet away or 400 feet away, these guys stopped and they always have regrets and had this theme. And, you know, preparing for the final, you know, it showed clear stats who we were as Stad Rochelet and who Leinster was as a team and showed that we have that ability and the qualities to beat them. So he's very meticulous in what he does and he's someone that lives and breathes rugby. You know, he's always stuck in it. And I really enjoy working with him because he has his own unique way of doing things and, uh, you know, very accommodating as a coach in terms of we all know a scrum coach, you know, we always fight for time, battling. So if I do tell him that, ask him, that, listen, I need to with this amount of time. I need these places. Like, that's your area of expertise. You tell me what you need and we see how we can make that work. So um, really looking forward to see how, how it's going to go for the future because, you know, we're all evolving as coaches and we're trying to push the buck and also become stronger together as well as a unit. And we've already seen in the second season, you know, new staff having a consistency, you know, better communication and also knowing when to, okay, right, give the other coach more time and not always fighting for your own time. So it's been really great. So without giving away too many trade secrets, take us inside a coach's meeting with Ronan O'Gara. You mentioned how competitive he is. He's very intense. Apart from he might crack the odd joke, I'm sure he's a he's an Irishman after all. But you mentioned you're all specialists. How much kind of delegation is there? And and if it whether it's about tactics, whether it's about selection, training, like you said there, does he defer quite a lot to you as coaches? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I have a, a way two hats. I'm a lot of the time with the S bars as well. And uh, so he definitely delegates quite a bit to the knocker Ryan and Roman Carmignani, as well as Sebastian Bubble. And, you know, you trust him, and that's the great thing. Even though he makes the final decisions, he, takes, he values a lot the input of the coaches, the opinion of the coaches. You know, you as a coach, you can voice your opinion. You know, even myself being a scrum coach, you know, I'll put the input there on other areas. And, you know, it'll be listened to. And uh, that's the great thing. We're never stepping on each other's feet. No, we always tell each other whether it's, the knock or crying. I said, listen, yeah, they will come to me. Ah, oh, gee, I saw this in the scrum. And they'll be like, oh, but I hope I'm not stepping on anything. Like, no. And we finally got over that barrier. We're not stepping on anybody's feet. If you see something, share it. And we as coaches, we're wonderful. But yeah, he definitely got his uh, his funny sayings, uh, Rog. You know, when he gets all passionate, like all of us foreigners do, where we can't find those words, we start making it like, you want to say, Fucking love you guys. And he just says, Je vous fucking adore. And then, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, his passion just comes through. And, uh, and that's the great thing about it. And, you know, the stuff he installs into the players in terms of belief. And, and he really installed that belief in the players, which allowed that, I believe, allowed them to win the European Cup. And you mentioned there, you don't have to just stay in your box and you can kind of offer ideas. So have you come up with some launch plays in the backs? I'm definitely on working something. Maybe get one of our backline players like Joe Dante at number eight, potentially working. With something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. It's collaborative environment is always best. When you've got a standoff telling you how you're tight-edged scrum and you've got your tight head telling you how to launch plays, it's all going wrong. <laughs> but I was going to say, like, I love it. Like, I've always enjoyed collaborative environments and being able to point things out and have a dig and try and get better. 
like, it must be quite hard as well for Ronan being such a competitor, like ultra competitive as well, to be removed from the environment a little bit with this six match ban. That must have been quite hard. So did other people have to step up and take on technical roles or responsibilities in ground? And like, how did Rog deal with that, having to step back a little bit and delegate even more? It must have been quite hard. It's very important, you know, for the French rugby players to have their coaches, uh, you know, up in the box and on the sidelines. But, you know, he prepared the staff. He, you know, Roman Calmignani, whether it was in the warm-ups, and Sebastian Bubel and Donoka Ryan, you know, it, it, it's a well-oiled machine. And, uh, you know, the, the six weeks was definitely different not having it there, but he prepped everybody, he prepped the players, he prepped the staff, he prepped the coaches. You know, Ronan thinks of everything, you know, even in our coaching meetings, you know, He's bringing up a lot of things and he opens it up to everybody, whether it's the medical staff or the physios. He's like, guys, the information is important. And we mentioned you reached the highest level you can in club rugby in your first season, winning the Champions Cup. If you won the clock back 12 months before that, you said you were at Colombia. You also worked in Federal I think, as well. So give us a sense of what that was like. It must be a bit of a culture difference. Johnny played in Pro de Deal. We've spoken about it quite a lot on here. It can be very different to that level of winning the Champions Cup. You were down coaching us in Bayonne as well. You came down and took, you consulted yeah. with us as well. So you got around clubs and you were grafting. Yeah, no. So, you know, no, obviously, you know, when I started coaching, I started coaching for a specific reason. Because look, like all of us, there was a stage in my career I got smashed. And, uh, you know, uh, and I always talk about, you know, 2014 against Argentina. Uh, Ramiro Herrera, he, he killed me in the scrum. And that ended my international career. And there were no resources available for me to bounce back from that. I didn't know how to come back from that. Even coming back to Toulouse, I was on the, on the pump. Club wanted to let me go, you know, and my family has moved all the way to France. And you know how it goes. And for two months, I was playing with a gun against my head, knife with my foot, a bazooka in my behind. Any one of those three years, pulled and I was dead. I was gone. And after two months, only the club to tell me, oh, we're very happy with you now. You're back in your great form. We would like you to stay. Here's a two-year extension. So, yes. <laughs> But so back then, didn't have any resources. And I was always driven about, okay, how can I help players? How can players bounce back from a poor performance? How can scrimmages improve their performance? What can we do? And it was just, I, I always remember back in the days, you know, speaking to, to, to Jace Ryan, you know, because he was the back in the day, young coach, went through the ranks. And he's like, you need to just coast, coach at different levels. I wasn't even focused at which level. I was going to the Netherlands. I was going to Italy. I was going to Germany, you know, Belgium. I was coaching at different. I was a volunteer at one of my local clubs uh, in, in, in Toulouse for five years, I was just coaching different age levels, accumulating as much knowledge as well. You know, I'm good friends with Richie Gray, you know, rack specialist, the man, great guy, collision, the collision king. And he just gave me, when I started doing this, I said to him, like, Richie, how should I go about it? You were a specialist in Iraq. How did you go? It's like just about coaching at different levels. And that's what it was all about. It was about initially just giving back. I had this amazing career. I wanted to help players. And whether it was doing a coaching amateur team, whether it was in Federal One, Colombier, I was driven by making a difference. I was driven by helping players. I want players to perform so that they can extend their contracts, contracts go to a higher level. That's what I was driven by. I remember I was coaching a women's team in Lille, uh, RMSV, LMRCV, and it was winter. So in Lille, sun is hardly shining. And I remember it was at eight o'clock in the evening and it started blasting, pouring with rain. I was there like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> I must really love scrimmaging. 
And I just saw these girls. They didn't say a word. They were just doing everything I was doing. They were passionate. It was coming down. Now I've learned so much. I remember going to Amsterdam and um, went there for a front row session. It was only supposed to be 30 to 40 players. And about 15 minutes before the session, planned out this whole circuit. They said, um, gee, um, this has been a mistake. You've got 120 front row players. Is that okay for you? I'm like, yeah, that's good. So I've learned to adapt. I've learned to adjust. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing to be able to experience what we did last year. And it comes down to hard, to hard work. It wasn't always easy being a foreigner in France, getting opportunity and also, you know, playing for start to lose for years. There's an identity about everything. When you would apply to different clubs, they would say, oh, but you would start to lose on, oh, we this club. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I always tell coaches, you know, you just got to start somewhere. And eventually, uh, one day, you could potentially be the solution for a certain coach or for a certain team. I wanted to pick up on somebody you mentioned there, Richie Gray. So when we yeah. mentioned Richie Gray on this podcast, I think a lot of people will think of Scottish second row Richie Gray. But you're referring <laughs> to my under 18 Scotland coach, Richie Gray from Gala in Scotland, who's now probably 45. He's way more attractive than the other Richie Gray, he would say anyway. <laughs> but Richie Gray, who you mentioned, and everybody phones Richie Gray because Richie Gray was the original specialist consultant yeah. coach. And he's now given birth to a new range of coaches that specialize in individual skill sets, be it breakdown, be it scrummaging, be it analysis, be it contact. And that guy, after leaving coaching me, Maybe it was me that burnt his bridges with Scottish rugby, but you went from under 18s, 19s, didn't get another job in the Scottish system, but went and built his own range of products for contact, now sells them in the NFL. The guy's an absolute freak show. I actually caught up with him at the weekend and had a beer with him. He's the contact coach for Fiji, whilst also yeah. being the contact coach for Toulon. He's worked for the Springboks. He's worked for Montpellier. He's worked for Lyon. Pierre Mignoni took him from Lyon down to Toulon. And he's just a wonderful man. And you have no idea how many people phone that guy for advice about starting out as a specialist consultant in whatever area they want to be. And now it's not just sport and rugby, it's business and it's NFL and it's it's just growing arms and legs. He's a wonderful guy. And so him being the start of it now, how important do you think the role of specialists are? You spot on there, you know, with Richie, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing today because of the advice he has given me in the past and our unbelievable chats and a few glasses of wine and beers we were back in the day in the spring box. Um, I believe it's the future of rugby. It's about, about having key specialists. You don't want a thousand specialists. I'm not a big believer of that. But in key areas that can just help you give it that extra edge. I take myself in scrimmaging. I'm looking for that window of opportunity where we can expose the opposition, where we can improve what we can do with our players, how we can dominate them. You need guys that are analyzing loads and loads of clips to find that opportunity. And also it's about... Key information, precision, the right information, because we do know rugby players don't have a very long attention span. So you need to give things very precise. <laughs> the only thing you're worth, you, you're ready to wait for, it's a good court to birth. All right. The rest then of you the got us. Have a lot of time. <laughs> so I believe there's a future because we are seeing that if you look at the, the way rugby is going, defense is tough to beat. You need to manipulate the defense in order to find that gap. You need to be strong. You need to have a great kicking game. You need to kick and anticipate. You need to know why you're kicking, why you're booting it in the corner, why you're kicking it long. And that's the future. And you need it. And I even believe going forward, 
is getting mental skills coaches involved, getting players to optimize their brain function, getting them sharp before training. Those are the type of key areas where rugby is going into. But not just that, but you need specialists in certain areas of the game. And I do believe some area which we're not paying too much attention, which needs real real specialists, is your recovery specialist. Because our, we always talk, we still got all these WhatsApp groups um, with our former teammates of the team in the World Cup in 2007, the, the Bulls back in the day. So we got all the guys like Victor and Bucky's and Donnie Rousseau, all these guys, John Smith. And now we, we're always talking about it. Like, it's like, guys, do you remember those crazy evenings we used to have back in the day? You can't do that today as a <laughs> professional athlete. It's different. You know, you have to choose your moments. <laughs> when you arrived in France back in 2011, it was a couple of bottles of claret and a baguette, was it? The recovery. Oh man, I want to be first. Let me tell you this. So coming from South Africa or from the Bulls, where we were going to the gym. When you were going to gym, you switched. So if you're out there benching, they would cheer like, "Come on, G, you got this, you got this, you go for this, you go for this." Yeah, come in France, and guys are having espresso and eating a freaking croissant in the freaking <laughs> gym, and they're talking about what they were doing on the weekend. I'm like. I'm yet to bench, guys. Come on, move out here. Like, oh, gee, take it easy, take it easy. That, that's the French way, you know. Really, really enjoy that about them. But as long as the recovery specialist doesn't still want ice baths, as long as that's moved on and changed, <laughs> I'm all for it. But even what I played, so I finished when I finished 2019, and then cast our, our pre-match meals in cast in 2016, 17 were still goat's cheese pizzas, entrecots, bottles of cokes, and ice cream. But the boys were happy, so it made everyone play well. <laughs> As a fan from the outside, people probably look at that structure and assume you start as a specialist and then you want to become the head forwards coach. You maybe want to become the head coach or the DOR or whatever. It isn't always the way. So for you personally, do you want to be a scrum guru and move around? Maybe you want to work internationally at some stage or, or would you like to be a head forwards coach at some point or a head coach? What's what's the ultimate ambition, do you think? Obviously, eventually one day, we're not right now, eventually one day, it's all about learning at the moment, learning as much as possible, gaining experience. And eventually when the time is right, definitely, I would love to be a forwards coach and eventually one day a heads coach, one day manager, but it's step by step. But for right now, I'm fully committed to our vision and our project at Stade Rochelet, playing my part, which needs to be done. Because I do believe there's a process in everything and listening to all the great coaches I've worked with before. And, uh, you know, spoke, speaking to Richie, you know, a lot of coaches tend to just skip steps, you know, and they just adapt the system of a club and they don't even have the ability to form their own philosophies and their own structures. So I'm just using this time to figure out how would I manage a forward pack? How would I manage a team? How would I work with them? What systems would I be putting to place? What type of staff would I build? if I wanted to achieve a certain amount of performance or excellence. So definitely going along the line, I do have ambitions, I do have vision, but right now I'm part of an amazing team and it's all just about learning, just taking in as much as possible. And when the time is right and the opportunity presents, I'm sure that will happen naturally. But then right now I'm just grafting for my esport team, just <laughs> make sure that Winnie Antonio knows what he needs to do. It, 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 it's loads of fun. It's hard work. It's not easy. I'll be honest with you. You know, I had more time off as a player 
and uh, I miss those afternoon naps. <laughs> we all do, mate. We all do. <laughs> those afternoon naps. <laughs> and, and 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 it's like even my kids sometimes be like, "But Dad, what do you do?" You're like, "I'm a coach." You're like, yeah, but what does what does that mean? You just like just watching rugby. That's not really a job. <laughs> and funny story, we actually uh, my esport team played against Toulouse, and the family came out to support. You know, and uh, our team was playing really well. You know, we almost beat uh, Jerome's team, and uh, I was shouting and going crazy. Like I've always said to myself, I'm going to be a easy, chilled, relaxed guy. <laughs> and since being in France, I started screaming and shouting and swearing in French and just losing my shit. And my daughter was shocked after the. She's like, I've never seen dad like that. <laughs> <laughs> what was Jerome doing on the side? I can't imagine Jerome as a as a screamer. He was as cool as a bottle of vodka and ice bar. Yeah, it was. He was just easy, chilling. He hasn't changed, does he? <laughs> well, anyway, that was absolutely the right answer, Johnny. Ronan will be very relieved. I'm happy. I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> mate. I can't remember. We've we talked about it at the start, and I can't remember if we've missed France South Africa. So we're gonna have to get a, a prediction <laughs> yeah. out of you because that, that's the game coming up this weekend. I think honestly, you guys had way too much to drink on the weekend because I actually did answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible, but now France honestly, just... Um, just to summarize, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Like I mentioned, my heart uh, is going with the Springboks, definitely. But, you know, just France being at home, all the systems they have in place right now and just where they are in terms of their confidence and the quality players they have, you know, just listening to the players, you know, everybody wants to play for France. You know, where years ago, guys used to dread going to play for the French team. They didn't enjoy the environment. But there's a new environment that has been created, which is something we had back in the day with the box as well in 2007. Everybody's just grafting. Everybody's just working. So for me, it's going to be a tough one. I would love to see the box winning, but I would have to say uh, I do believe France will pull. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be very close, but I do see France winning this one. But uh, I hope my colleague uh, Jean-Baptiste Paquet is not listening because he's been giving me grief for the last few weeks. <laughs> and say, we're going to beat you guys. And I need I keep on replying, hey, how many World Cups have you guys won? And then he keeps quiet. <laughs> like, wait, 2023 is coming. I'm like, yeah, but if you guys win, we still won three. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Fascinating stuff, all the detail in there about specialist coaches and life at La Rochelle. Johnny said it. I don't know where you go from here having won a Champions Cup, but do it again. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It was really awesome. And uh, yeah, just like I mentioned to you guys when we were texting, um, obviously now as an esport coach, I'm doing the pros and sometimes I have to jump in my car, take the esport boys back so we can play the game the next day. So often I'm listening to this podcast, which is quite cool. Really enjoying it. It's lots of fun and uh, having some amazing people on here. And I, I think that's the end of the day, which is important it's about sharing the values of rugby and, you know, having a way where you can also inspire people, having these amazing guests on here that can just make, just share their message, share their experience. Because there's so many young rugby players out there and, uh, you know, it's great finding this fusion of uh, you know English the French podcast I thought that quite cool and I love the intro music just loving the good old laughs awesome mate it's been so good to have you on we need to get you back on as well you can come a regular like Jerome anytime when you've won the second Champions Cup we'll get you back on and the S-Bars <laughs> and the S-Bars nah anytime guys anytime happy to do this really enjoyed like I mentioned to you guys earlier you know I, a while back I launched a podcast called Coach G Transforming Purpose Driven 
people and athletes, you know, and, with a, and the whole idea with that was just inspiring people. And uh, this is great. This is a lot of work. You know, a lot of people don't get it. just think you're talking a bunch of nonsense, but it's a lot of editing going behind that. Uh, but yeah, guys, awesome stuff and happy to come back anytime. Thanks a lot, mate. Enjoy the games this weekend as well. Oof, looking forward to that. <laughs> Got my Espros first, so need to win that. The life of a coach, it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Really interesting bloke, Johnny. And he's achieved everything already. You said it. Where'd you go from there? Win it again. Win it again. But mate, clearly he's a smart boy and he's going to have ambitions. He gave us the media trained, you know, I'm obviously really happy in my role, but he's going to go far. Whether that is as a specialist staying within the scrum remit, um, whether that takes him to different teams or international arena, I'm sure he'd love to work with the Springboks, French national side. But you can tell the passion he's got, whether that's in the workout classes he does, whether it's in mentoring, whether it's specialist scrum sessions, he's a passionate guy that's going to go far. Awesome guy as well. Like having played against him, he was an absolute monster running into him on the game line when he was playing for Toulouse. So great to have him on. And lovely to hear another one that listens to the show, Vern Cotter and Stenkamp, two absolute legends of the game. And also it was interesting. We chat a bit about the foreign influence on the top 14. He spoke about it there. He was too humble to say it. But he taught Cyril by He made Cyril by and Julia Marchand. I got that as well, mate. No, but that, that, it is. You bring in different work, work ethics, but the game in France has become more professional. It's become much quicker. Um, an emphasis on the physical and the attitudes has been completely revolutionized. I, I don't think that's because of the attitudes that foreigners bring from other corners of the world. I've also seen people from other corners that smoke 40 a day and they're alcoholics that come into <laughs> rugby in France, you know? So it's not the making of foreigners. It's just French rugby's got its act together, which is awesome. What's weird though is I think they'll be the last generation of people to come in, Jerome, Stan Camps, O'Gara's, and take over these big coaching roles. I think now what you're going to see is a new wave of French players running things and then a new wave of French coaches that follow them once they retire. So I think he's part of a last special wave of guys that got in and enjoyed French rugby in the top 14 because they were exceptional on a world stage, but because the Gif quotas we have now, it's going to change over the next 10, 15 years again. So really exciting time to have been part of. And yeah, I think he just said it like lucky to have the job, lucky to be here in France, lucky to be enjoying life over here. I'm thankful for it. Right. We'll chat a little bit about the top 14 in a minute, but before we do, Let's find out what the best bit of the week in French rugby was with your meter moment of the week, Johnny. I'm going to be biased again, mate, because it comes from my old club. Um, look, the tries at the Stade de France were absolutely epic. The French team getting their 11th win on the trot, historic as well. But by on, mate, again, I'm not sure if you saw the result, for the first time yeah. in 57 years, beat Clermont in Clermont, which is absolutely ridiculous when you consider the budget they have. And that is their little piece of history. Um for a club that has probably less than half of the wage bill of Claremont, their aims initially the start of the season were just to stay in the top 14. They now sit in the top six, which I think yeah. is pretty special. Um, and I've got quite a few mates that are still there that are absolutely loving the ride, having some new players come in. I also really enjoyed Cami Lopez, who was central to that win, refusing to celebrate for the respect they had for his old Claremont side. So that was really cool as well. But my meter moment of the week, this weekend is Bayon for the first time in nearly 60 years winning away to Clermont. There we go. That was Johnny's Meter moment of the week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 20% off any full-price item 
All you have to do is enter the code FrenchPod20 at checkout. That's FrenchPod20, and you'll get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. And to go with you, me, how does a free case beer. of beer sound, Johnny? <laughs> Mate, do you know what? They were awesome. So we went into the offices in Edinburgh after the Scotland-Fiji game. We did, I was going to say a tasting. We drank a lot of beer, basically, <laughs> and it was really nice. Um, beer 52 and Wine 52, they hosted us. Nicky Little, Joe Rococo, Ryan Wilson, uh, lovely people. And yeah, the beer is awesome. So sign up. Absolutely. The Autumn Nation series in full swing. Christmas coming up. Our friends at Beer 52 are offering everyone a free case of eight craft beers. All you have to do is go to beer52.com forward slash French and cover the meagre postage costs of £5.95 to claim your free case. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from different part of the world and they showcase the best independent breweries from across the globe. So there's no better way to enjoy a good beer during this year's Autumn Nation series. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents continents, big juicy pale ales, crisp refreshing lagers, sumptuous stouts, whatever you're into, you can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. If dark beer is not your thing, just choose the light only case and you get the award-winning ferment magazine, a couple of tasty snacks as well. And if you're not satisfied, you can just pause or cancel anytime. So what are you waiting for? Just head to beer52.com forward slash French to claim your free case. That's beer, then the numbers 52.com forward slash French and a case of beer could be on its way straight to your door. Is this a good time to talk about pants? Oh, why not? What pants? Jerome's pants, of course. Exactly. So, mate, we talked about it last week. Jerome's not with us this week. He'll be back after the end of this lot of games. But Jerome's pants company are also offering you all 20% off his pants. You don't have to get his 4XL pants. You can get any size pants. But if you go to mintwear.co, mintwear.co and put in the code FRP mintwear, you'll get 20% off any pants you like. And again, coming in for Christmas, the perfect gift to get, mintwear, Jerome Kano's pants. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But (laughs) I quite like it. Christmas is absolutely sorted. Pants, beer, meat, what it's more could you anything want? else. I'm going to get them all for my missus. She's going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned the top 14. We will come on to the action on the pitch a little bit in a minute, but transfers every week, Johnny. Jerome was on last week. Shame he's not on this week, so we can ask him about this one. But Jack Willis. Jack Willis to Toulouse? I think he'd be class, mate. Again, it's probably just an end of the season job, but he's so good and they don't have an out-and-out poacher and he is an absolute freak show. So I would love to see him playing at Toulouse. I'd love to see a few more English boys come over as well. Tom Willis potentially to Bordeaux is another one they've been looking at. Kazuki Himeno to Toulouse as well, but that's the end of the season. So that might just mean Jack Willis to the end of the season. But look, I'd, I'd love to see the Willis boys get sorted out. I'd love to see them in the top 14. And the Japanese fella is an absolute monster. He'd be huge for Toulouse as well next season. So lots going on. We don't know what's been signed yet, but good rumours for good people, hopefully coming to the top 14. We already spoke about Joe Marchant to Stade Francais, hearing that's a done deal. We've spoken about Finn Russell a lot in recent weeks. Obviously, great to see him back in the Scotland squad, Johnny, but forget rumours of Bowden Barrett going to wrestling. Has he been offered a new deal, Finn? I don't know if he has. I just know that, again, he came off the bench and won the game for them at the weekend. They were average. Finn comes on, 16 points, involved in everything, setting up tries. And do you know what? It's weird. Like With all the shit that's been flying around him in the past couple of weeks, he's just gone about his business really well. He's just performed quietly, which has been really cool. Obviously, personally, I'm delighted to see him back with the Scottish side as well. But 
it would be quite fitting if he was to be offered an extension. He's been quite coy about it over the past couple of weeks as well, but he's playing extremely well and delighted to see him back in the Scottish side. And hopefully he'll have earned a new duo racing as well. You mentioned that game. They were 14-13 down at halftime. Obviously, Finn did change the game, but yep. the guy we had a few weeks ago, Christian Wade, how well is he playing at the moment? <laughs> he's a freak in the nicest possible sense. It's always been a compliment to be called a freak if you're a rugby player, but... The tackle breaks, again, last week against Breve, this weekend against Perpignan, the number of defenders he's beating statistically is freakish. So again, we're lucky to have him in the top 14. It was great to have him on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but another one that is just carving up and they're lucky to have him. Again, the Gif numbers are getting reduced, but these guys that are going to be involved in the top 14 are special. He's one of them. Finn's another one. The Willis boys, they come over class as well, but Christian Wade has been absolutely ridiculous. And he told us he's only had a one-year deal it's a big if, given he's very early in his return to rugby. But if he does keep playing like this, should the RFU and Eddie Jones be looking at him, get him an English club, given the state of England's attack? I know they've got lots of options, but if he's playing that well consistently for a period of time, could England do with him ahead of the World Cup or not? I think after the weekend's performance, they could do with a few changes. <laughs> um, but look, any club is going to be lucky to be to have him. It depends on Christian and his wants and desires more that's what I got from chatting with him a couple of weekends ago it's is this what he wants he wants to be in Paris it suits his wife if he could get the right deal going back to London probably he'd take it as well but it'd have to be right for him and he didn't really give off the impression that he was that desperate to get back into the international fold and play for England it was more about experience and the next part of his journey so look a host of English clubs would be lucky to have him as would a host in the top 14 because he's been superb. And the Classico between Toulouse and Stade Francais ended up all square in the end, but they had to take a break for 10 minutes in the first half, didn't they? Protesters climbing up onto the crossbar, tying themselves to the post. What was going on? I don't even know what they were protesting. I didn't care. The best bits for me, so Didier Lacroix came out this week, the club president, and said, look, this rugby stadium ain't a political theatre. Don't do that again. And he's got the perfect backup. I'm not sure if you saw, but the man that was trying to rip them down was acting as backup was Joe Takori. And that's not a man I'd be on bringing me. <laughs> he was an angry man. The lack of respect he thought was shown jumping up those posts, he was going to get them down and give them the message. So I'm glad there was some police there to get in between um, and separate it. But yeah, utter madness again, climbing up the post and protesting something. We don't care. We're just there to watch rugby. Where was Jerome in all this? Was he just like, big Joe, come on. He's sending down. I don't think he had to do anything. I think Joe was already, he was there himself on his own accord. You mentioned the win for your old club, Bayern at Clermont. Massive, massive yep. win. If it wasn't for that being your meter moment of the week, presumably, Poe would have been in with a shout. Backed up their amazing win at La Rochelle by hammering Bordeaux 33-7 at home. Yeah, but Bordeaux have been struggling a little bit as well. I don't know what it is, but it's just not clicking. And Christoph Urios has been talking week in, week out in the press and sort of voicing his disappointment in the group and what they're showing but absolutely show no pity by Poe again there's these teams that are just bubbling away nicely Poe, Bayonne nobody really talked much about them at all at the start of the season but another huge win they absolutely pumped them um, and so quite comfortably now just ticking away in the top 14 avoiding those relegation spots that we're seeing Breve now finding it harder Perpignan as well um, but Poe are really playing some nice rugby really impressive stuff Right it's a rest week in the top 14 this weekend but we chased Guthrie for a prediction a couple of times. He gave us one. He thinks France are going to edge it. Let's get your score prediction, Johnny. I'd go the same, mate. I'm not sure it's going to be as clinical. I think that Ireland absolutely battered them and you have to take away their strong points. The way they were at Scrum, the way they were at Mall, 
France weren't at that level this week against the Wallabies, I didn't think. But I just think generally the desire they've got, they know that they probably weren't at their best last week. They can't play that way again and get away with it. I think they'll up their performance in pretty much every single area of the game. Scrum time has to be better. Maldi has to be better. Their kicking game has to be better as well because they were loose against the Wallabies. Um, But I just think with the crowd that's going to expect a big win, with the momentum that they've gained, with the fact that they can potentially get their first run of 12 games won on the bounce at home, down in the south of France as well, which would be a big difference. I think that'll be a massive factor. You get down there, it's a proper carnival. And I just think they'll have enough in the tank. So I'm going to go for a slender French win, uh, but I'm going to go for France by five. Should be epic in Marseille. Can't wait. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Gertrude Steenkamp for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.